Friends, by any standards, this is an extraordinary story. A man who is destined from hell and he's right on the brink of eternal destruction is in a moment given by Jesus Christ full access into all the joys of everlasting life, which he will enter on that very day. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, based on what we've heard already, it sounds as if we're going to hear about the thief on the cross. We are. It's one of the most wonderful stories in the New Testament, I think. And it really gets to the heart of how it is that a person is saved and the drama of it. I mean, here's this man, and he really is ours from entering hell itself. And what happens is that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he ends up entering into heaven. It is the most extraordinary transformation. Not only is it an incredible transformation, but it's also an extremely clear picture of salvation that it's of faith, it's not of works. Yeah, and it's easy for us to get the idea that by doing something for Jesus, you know, my giving, my praying, my believing or whatever, that somehow that is meritorious, that somehow that gains me a favor from God. This guy can't do anything for Jesus. He can't go off and be a missionary. His feet are are pinned. His hands are pinned. He cannot do anything. All he can do is cast himself upon Jesus. That's what he does. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus gives him this marvelous, marvelous promise and assurance of salvation. It is an extraordinary and a wonderful story, and uh, I'm so glad we have the chance to share it today. Well, let's get to it now. It's a message called Breakfast with the Devil, Supper with the Saviour. Here is Pastor Colin. Two criminals were crucified with Jesus, one on his right and the other on his left. And in Luke 23 and verse 39, we are told that one of the criminals who hung there, hurled insults at Jesus. He hurled insults at him. He said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, here is a man who is in the last hours of his life on earth. He's completely lost. He is completely helpless and hopeless, but he is still angry with God. And in his agony, his resentment towards God and towards Jesus Christ just pours out of this man. By the way, suffering doesn't always make us more tender. Pain can bring out the very worst inside of a man or a woman. And sometimes it just intensifies the anger and resentment towards God that has already been hidden in the human heart. You can feel the hostility here. Here he is in his pain. If you're God, why don't you do something about this? You know that? Don't ever estimate how much the human heart hates God. The book of Revelation tells us about the day when God's judgment will be poured out and sinners are crying out. This is Revelation 6 and verse 16. And what are they saying when they cry out? Are they saying, oh God, we repent, have mercy? No. They are saying, let the rocks fall on us. Why? You see, they're saying, we'd rather die than bow before you, God. Rather die than go bow before you. And all of that is pouring out of this man. Sin is a mighty power in the human soul, and we would be locked in it forever apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So here is this man. He has lived a miserable life. He's now just a few hours away from eternity. He's already under the judgment of human law for the crimes he's committed against society. In very short time, he'll be subject to the judgment of God. And still, he is raging against God. And what's been there in him all his life is now coming out into its full expression as it's exposed by the intensity of his pain. And his partner in crime is on another cross, the other side of the Lord Jesus, and he is in exactly the same position. Both Matthew and Mark, in their accounts of the story, tell us that both criminals were hurling this abuse at Jesus. So here's the second man, and he's in exactly the same position as the first man. He's full of this anger and this resentment and this cursing towards God. But then in the second man, something changes. A silence comes over this man's soul, and perhaps for the very first time in his life, he really thinks about his own position. He's skimmed through life, he's lived by his wits, he's drifted from one thing to another, but now his life is slipping away. Earth is receding right there, and eternity is looming large. It's right on the horizon. It's getting nearer. And he had not planned for this, and he had not prepared for it either. As a Jew, of course, he had always believed in God, but it had never made any difference to his life. And now he sees with awesome clarity that before this day is done, he will stand in the presence of Almighty God and he will be held accountable for the stewardship of his entire life. And as these thoughts run through his mind in the pain that is Racking his body, he turns towards his friend who's the other side of Jesus, and he says, Don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? And then he turns to Jesus, just a few feet away from him. And he says, verse 42, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus speaks this second word from the cross that is our focus today. Verse 43, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And friends, by any standards, this is an extraordinary story. A man who is destined from hell and he's right on the brink of eternal destruction is in a moment given by Jesus Christ full access into all the joys of everlasting life, which he will enter on that very day. And remember that in our series, our aim is very clear. We want to see more of the extent of Christ's love. And that is what I want us to see in the story that will be familiar to most of us today. I want you to see the extent of Christ's love right here. John Owen says, I think very perceptively, he says, many Christians sadly neglect loving fellowship with the Father. And for this reason, John Owen says, many Christians are sad when they could be rejoicing. And many Christians are weak when they could be strong. Why? Because 
so many of us neglect loving fellowship with the Father. So what he's saying is this, that if you want to know more joy in your life, if you want to know more strength in your life, it, it comes from loving fellowship with the Father. And, and that is why we're looking at the full extent of God's love, and we see it never more clearly than in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why our focus on these weeks is right here in the words of Jesus from the cross. As you grasp more of the extent of Christ's love, you will know more joy you will have greater strength, and you will know more love in your own heart towards the Lord Himself. So, very simply today, I want to offer you from the second word of Jesus from the cross, seven glimpses of the love of Jesus Christ. Seven glimpses of the love of Jesus Christ that can bring you joy, make you strong, and ignite within your own heart fresh love for God the Father. Here's the first. Christ chooses the company of undeserving sinners. It's the first glimpse of his love. The enemies of Jesus called him the friend of sinners. They meant it as an insult. It is a glorious title of our Lord Jesus Christ. He chooses the company of undeserving sinners. Now, you think about this man, Spurgeon describes the thief on the cross as Jesus' last companion on earth and his first companion in heaven. Isn't that good? The last companion on earth and the first companion in heaven. And when you think about that, it raises this question, why in all the world would Jesus choose this man to be his first companion in heaven? to be the very first one, this side of the cross, who is ushered into the glory of heaven. Spurgeon pictures Christ entering into the glory of heaven. Can you picture this with me? And uh, he has the angels asking this question, who is this that enters the pearly gates at the same moment as the King of glory? Who is this favored companion that the Redeemer is bringing with him? Is this some honored martyr? Is this some faithful apostle? Is this some patriarch like Abraham or a prince like David? No, it is none of these. Look at who it is. This man who's lived the most wretched life and died the most wretched death. And Spurgeon says, behold the sovereign grace of God. Do you see the love of Christ here? Do you see how this makes it especially clear that this man is a sample of the, what Jesus Christ has come to do? To save folks like us who have absolutely no hope of saving ourselves, and to get glory to himself by making it supremely clear that our salvation only rests in him and not in any degree in us. It is through Christ alone. And do you see how this man's entrance into heaven opens up hope for every one of us. If this man can be the first man ushered into heaven by the Lord Jesus Christ, then why should you not be ushered into heaven by the Lord Jesus Christ? There's hope for you. There is hope for every person you will ever meet, since there is hope for this man. You see the love of Christ here? He chooses the company of undeserving sinners like you and me. He is not ashamed to call folks like us his friends. 
That's the love of Christ. Pastor Colin Smith there with the message called Breakfast with the Devil, Supper with the Saviour. And it's such a helpful message in understanding how Jesus saves. He saves by grace through faith. If you've joined us late, have to leave early. Or if you'd just like to hear this message again, go and listen online. The website address is openthebible.org.uk. Now, while I have a moment, I want to tell you about some new and exciting things happening at Open the Bible. They are in the midst of a number of changes on the website, including making it easier for you to support the ministry. When you go to openthebible.org.uk, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free copy of Pastor Collins' new book, Six Hours That Changed the World. In this book, Pastor Colin gives a clear, biblical and compelling presentation of the Gospel message that you could use to share with someone this Easter. How can you receive this? Well, go to the website and set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month and they'll be happy to send you a free copy of Six Hours That Changed the World. Learn more about Pastor Colin's latest book and how to set up a donation when you go to openthebible.org. UK. Well, let's go back to the message now. Here is Pastor Colin. I want you to see the love of Christ here, that Christ accepts the very simplest faith. Now, if you want the clearest possible presentation of what it means to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never see it more clearly than here. Notice what happens to this man. In verse 40, he begins to fear God. He's been pouring out all this hatred and all this spite and all this anger towards God, and suddenly over his soul, he begins to realize there's an eternal God, and if I fight him, I'm going to lose. And he begins to fear God. Then he recognizes his own sinful condition. That's verse 41. He says, we are being punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. We're getting what we deserve. Thirdly, he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Kingdom. So he recognizes that Jesus is a king. How did he get that? I, I don't know for sure. Remember, of course, that above the cross, at the head of the cross, Pilate had put that sign, this is the king of the Jews. So he would have seen that. Remember, the crowds were mocking Jesus. They were saying, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Maybe this man said, hmm, he saved others. Did he? If he saved others, maybe he can save me. That's good logic, isn't it? For sure, when the cross was raised just a few feet from this man, he had heard the words of the Lord Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He did not have much knowledge of Jesus, but he had enough to feel that he could trust this Jesus. And so, believing in this Jesus with a very limited revelation that he had, not much at all, he asks Jesus to save him. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, folks, look at that. You really cannot get a simpler faith than that. A child can understand this. So wonderful to have so many children who are with us uh, here this morning. A child can understand this. And the Lord Jesus Christ saves this man on the spot. 
Today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, there may be a thousand questions that you feel that you have not resolved in your own mind. But if you come to realize that there is Almighty God, and if I fight him, I lose, and that I am a sinner, and that that is the truth about me, and that this Lord Jesus Christ is one in whom I can believe, and I can ask him to save me, the Lord Jesus Christ will save you on the spot too. Can't get simpler than that. We live in a skeptical age. And in a skeptical age, the culture develops in such a way that when people are asking questions all the time, they are thought to be sophisticated. And anyone who has clarity, well, that kind of suggests that you must be naive. And so in that environment, faith becomes presented as, oh, it's a long journey. Oh, it's a long search. Oh, yes, well, it will take a lifetime. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, Father, I praise you because you have hidden these things from the wise and from the learned, and you have revealed them to little children. I tell you today, you can pursue spirituality all your life, and you will never come to know God without Jesus Christ. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ, because everything has been trusted by the Father to Him, He does not say to you, go on a long spiritual search. What He says to you is, come to Me. Come to Me. You come to Me, and I will give you rest. And I am so grateful that you do not have to have a PhD in order to be saved. You do not have to have a brilliant intellect in order to work out your way to heaven and resolve all the questions about God. You've withheld it from the wise, but you have revealed it to those who will come with childlike faith. He feared God, recognized that he's a sinner, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he asked Jesus to save him. Are you not grateful? Do you see the love of Christ in this that he accepts the simplest faith, so he has not made it difficult for us to come to him. He has not put up all kinds of intellectual barriers. He does not send us on a long search. He says, come to me. Now, here's the third thing, and it is very important for us to grasp, and it's simply this, that in this story, we see, I think, more clearly than anywhere else in the Bible that Jesus Christ saves by grace, through faith, and without works. I really want us to get this into our minds. Would you say that with me, please? Christ saves by grace, through faith, without works. One more time. Christ saves by grace, through faith, and without works. Now, that is never made clearer than in this story on the thief, uh, of the thief on the cross, because this man has no works to offer God, uh, either before his conversion, because he was a thief, or after his conversion, because he was dead, right? So, neither before nor after his conversion does he have any works whatsoever to offer to God. A.W. Pink puts this, I think, quite brilliantly. He says, what could this man do? He could not walk in the paths of righteousness because there was a nail through either foot. He could not perform any good works because there was a nail through either hand. He could not turn over a new leaf and live a better life because he was dying. So this man has no way of offering anything to God either before his conversion or after his conversion. That's the uniqueness and 
therefore, the vividness of what we're taught in this story, that Christ saves him by grace and through faith and without works. Now, I know that, of course, a perverse mind can always make mischief out of any truth. There'll always be people who will say, well, my goodness, uh, uh, you know, if that's the case, then we just continue in sin so that grace may abound. That's the question that Paul answers in Romans in chapter 6 and verse 2. A perverse mind will always come up with that. But a redeemed heart loves Christ, and a forgiven person wants to live for the glory of the one who at immeasurable cost has given his life and then risen from the dead for our forgiveness and our salvation. Uh, to be clear, if the thief had somehow been rescued from the cross and then recovering from his dreadful wounds had gone on to live for another 30 years, he would have lived a new and different life. Because to be sure, where faith is birthed, works always follow. But the uniqueness of this story and the power for it in helping us understand our salvation is that clearly this man did not have opportunity for living the Christian life. He enters into paradise on the same day, and that shows us with great clarity where our salvation lies. Now, folks, the next two minutes for some of us can be life-transforming, so I want you to listen carefully because if you get this, for many of us, it will be absolutely liberating. Your salvation in Jesus Christ involves three marvelous gifts. Justification by which your sins are forgiven. Sanctification by which progressively over time you grow in the likeness to Jesus Christ. And glorification by which eventually you will enter into the everlasting joy of heaven. Uh, there, there it is. That's the whole of our salvation in Jesus Christ in just uh, three words. Justification, sanctification, glorification. That is your salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, think about this man. He was justified and he was glorified on the same day. So what did he miss? sanctification. He missed out on the entirety of the Christian life. Never had a chance to live it. Completely bypassed it. So, everything that you and I experience, brothers and sisters, as, as Christian believers, he never knew any of it. You know, battles with sin and temptation and uh, fighting uh, against these things with the power and help of the Holy Spirit, struggles with prayer. He wasn't baptized, never received communion, all the rest of it. Here is what that tells us. Entrance into heaven, glorification comes through justification, not through sanctification. Your glorification rests on your justification, not on your sanctification. You enter heaven not by your progress in the Christian life. You enter heaven by forgiveness, and through the righteousness that Jesus Christ gives you, it does not depend on your performance in the Christian life. And, you know, so many of us have been brought up with this idea that you get into heaven by living a good Christian life. That's not true. This man never lived a day of the Christian life, and he's in heaven. So that tells you how a person enters heaven. It's not through sanctification. It is through justification, through forgiveness, 
and through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that becomes yours by faith, he's saved on the spot, he enters into heaven. See how clear that is? That's a helpful look, isn't it? How we get to heaven. It is because God has declared us justified or right with him. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Breakfast with the Devil, Supper with the Saviour. It's part of the series, Seven Words from the Cross. And if you ever miss a broadcast, you can always go and listen online. The website is openthebible.org.uk. You're able to tune in each day to hear Pastor Collins' teaching because of the generosity of listeners just like you. Pastor Collins thankful for the many of you who have shown support through giving. And this month, the team have something new and exciting to offer as they continue to make a number of changes on the website, which includes an easier way for you to give. Visit the website at openthebible.org.uk and as a token of their appreciation for your financial support, they have a special gift to send you. It's Pastor Colin's latest book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, why did you write this book? Well, you know, it's amazing how often six hours can come and go. They just fly by without anything of real consequence actually happening. But one Friday, about 2,000 years ago, there were six hours that really did change the world. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours, and through what he accomplished on the cross, the lives of millions and the eternities of millions of people have been changed forever. And uh, the cross, of course, is at the very heart of the Christian faith. And I wrote this book so that you can see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and how everything is different because of it for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to send you this book, Six Hours That Changed the World. It's a gift to show their appreciation for your support of Open the Bible. Just go to the website, openthebible.org.uk, set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month to receive your free copy. Again, the website is openthebible.org.uk. Imagine serving Jesus Christ every week, every day, and saying, I I wonder if I will make it into heaven or I wonder if I will spend eternity after all this in hell. What a frustrating place to be, to have no confidence in where you will spend eternity. Join Pastor Colin as he continues the message, Breakfast with the Devil, Supper with the Saviour, next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible.